Rabbi. Welcome. I come here of my own accord. The high priest knows nothing of this. What's he doing here? They say you can perform miracles. That you have seen the kingdom of God. You can see the kingdom of God. But you must be born again. Born again? How can you be born again? You must be reborn. Not in the flesh. But in the spirit. where it wishes. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is when the spirit enters you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Believe in him and you will have eternal life. The man who was speaking with Jesus in that scene is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. His name is Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, which was one of the most prominent and conservative groups within Judaism. He was a leader among the people, ruler, which means he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Supreme Court, if you will. That's the court that ultimately Jesus was tried before and condemned and then sent to Pilate to be, to be executed. So here's a, a very devout Jewish man, a religious leader within Judaism, who in many ways is like a lot of us. He's very curious. He's wanting to understand spiritual things. He believes that uh, Jesus is from God, but he wants to know more about Jesus and who he is and his, his teaching. It's like a lot of people today. And many of you will remember the name Paul Simon. Got his start years ago with Simon and Garfunkel and then had a long time solo career. Still sings uh, some. He's, he's, he's won 16 Grammys in his career, so pretty successful and You'll remember some of his songs. I think my favorite of his is Bridge Over Troubled Water from years ago. But a while back he was being interviewed on NPR. And let me read to you what he said. I think I've got the quote on the screen. He said, notice this. He said, we don't have the capacity to understand the great mysteries of life and God or no God or infinity. We just can't get it. It's beyond us. But that's fine. We're not meant to get that. And his statement sums up the sentiment of many people today, and yet Jesus says Paul Simon is wrong. You can get it. You can know. You can understand. And that is the reason Jesus came. It's so we could know about God, 
so we could know God, so we could get it, so we could understand these things. And in this sermon series, the Son of God who is He, we're focusing on Jesus Christ, looking at scenes in His life as recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, depicted in this movie, The Son of God, and asking, what can we learn about who Jesus is? What does that mean for us in our daily living? So this morning, I want us to focus on the conversation Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. There's more to the conversation than you saw depicted in the video, even though that's fairly accurate. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're going to read together this conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus and then just ask, what do we learn about Jesus? What does that mean for us in knowing God? So John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. Here's what the Gospel of John, and and remember John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Lived to be an old man, wrote the book of Revelation in the New Testament, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the New Testament, and this Gospel of John. And he was a very kind, gentle, loving man. He was the opposite of Peter. If Peter was impetuous, John was gentle. And so he records this conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus in chapter 3. Here's what it says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, came to Jesus by night, and said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs or miracles, these great works, that you do unless God is with him. Then in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or born from above, this Greek word means both, to be a second time again from above is an act of God. So unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus very naturally in verse 4 asked, How can a man be born when he is old? cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, verse 5 is often a misunderstood verse. You have to take verses 5 and 6 together as a parallelism to fully understand what's being said, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus said to him in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, don't, don't, don't be startled that I'm telling you, you have to be born again a second time. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered, replied to Jesus and said, how can these things be? I I still don't get it. You're going to have to help me. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know. In other words, if I'm going to teach something, I can only teach what I know. You can only teach what you know. And we bear witness of that which we have seen. If I'm going to give testimony, I can only testify about what I've actually experienced, what I've actually seen. Makes sense. It's just practical, practical stuff there. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, 
you don't receive our witness. I'm telling you what I've seen, what I know, and you're struggling to accept it. Verse 12, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, things of nature like the wind blowing, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one, in verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven but he who has descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. Remember the very first sermon in this series, Jesus, the Son of Man, so he's referring to himself. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may in him have eternal life. And then this very famous verse that we often quote, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have <clears throat> eternal life. John 3.16 is part of the conversation Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And so I want us to just kind of walk through this conversation and see what we learn about Christ, about salvation, about our relationship with him. And, and, and the big takeaway especially in the first part of this conversation, <clears throat> is that heaven, heaven is not automatic. Being part of the kingdom of God is not automatic. Jesus three times in this conversation said, Nicodemus, unless a person has an experience, unless a person is born again, born from above, unless something unique happens to an individual, that person cannot see, that person cannot enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so being part of God's family, God's kingdom, going to heaven is not automatic simply because we're a good person or because we're living. Something must happen. He said you must be born again. And Jesus said it three times to emphasize it. Without that, there is no heaven for you. It's not automatic. Now, Nicodemus in this conversation, naturally like most of us would have if we had been there talking to Christ that evening, was thinking very physically, very literally. Jesus instead was speaking about a, a spiritual experience, if you will, about a heavenly truth. That's why in verses 10 and 12, he says, I'm, I'm sharing with you, Nicodemus, I'm sharing with you, Nicodemus, the things that I have seen, the things that I know, and I'm illustrating it for you with earthly things like the wind and, and like physical birth to help you understand this spiritual experience. I'm talking about heavenly things, he says in those verses at the end of verse 12. Heavenly truth. It's not earthly truth. It's not physical truth. It's truth about who Jesus Christ is, about why he came, how to know God, how to be born again and the necessity of being born again. And, and so let's break down a little bit this spiritual truth that Jesus is talking about here. Look with me at verse 13 in your Bible, please. Verse 13 in chapter 3. Jesus said, No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. Jesus said, Nicodemus... All right, you want to know more about me. Let me tell you who I am. I came from heaven. I did not originate in Bethlehem when I was born of my biological mother. I'm the eternal one. 
Son of God, Son of Man, I descended from, I came from heaven. In doing that, he's saying he's the divine one, the eternal one, the Messiah. That's who I am. And then he said, if you want to know more about me, in verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, some of you will remember in your Old Testament, in the Jewish Old Testament that we Christians also believe, in the book of Numbers, in chapter 21, the Israeli people are on their way to the promised land after God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Moses is leading them. And they're in an area that's uh, remote and desolate. It's, it's difficult geography. There's not a lot of food, not a lot of water. God's taking care of them, but it's hard. Conditions are harsh. The people begin to complain, begin to grumble against God, and, and then they grumble against Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? This is too hard. And suddenly God allowed fiery serpents, snakes, to just show up. They were poisonous snakes. <clears throat> they started biting the people, and some of them died. And they started praying to God for help. They, they admitted to God and admitted to Moses they had been wrong. Their attitude was wrong. They were ungrateful. And so they repented and they, 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 they asked for help. And God told Moses to create a, a bronze serpent and attach it to a standard. Uh, uh, and, and, and Numbers uh, Numbers of, what chapter is it? 21, I think it is. Yeah, verse uh, verse 9. Uh, Moses, Moses creates this bronze serpent and he puts it on a standard, which is a, a, like a tall pole that a flag or a banner would be attached to and, and, it's, and it's standing there above the people. And God said, anyone who is bitten by one of these poisonous snakes, if he looks to that, that standard, if he looks to that bronze serpent attached to that stake, they will live. They'll be healed. They'll be saved. And in John chapter 3, Jesus says, just like Moses raised that bronze serpent in the, in the wilderness, and people looked at it, and they were saved from the, the poison of the, of the snake bite. He said the Son of Man, referring to himself, has to also be lifted up. Now think about the image of that. Jesus being lift up, lifted up on a cross because the truth is every human being has been bitten by the poison of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the first way that death, which comes as a paycheck for our sin, shows up is in spiritual death. This barrier between humanity and God, the reason Paul, Simon, and others say we can't know is because sin separates. The only way to know is to hear the words of Christ who came to make God known. And so sin kills us spiritually, separates us from God. We're guilty, each and every one of us. And then we physically die as a result of sin. And when we physically die 
as someone who is still spiritually dead, who's never been made alive spiritually. Then we spend eternity spiritually dead. That's why it's called eternal death. It's separation from God forever in hell, in suffering and separation from God. It's the poison of sin. It kills spiritually, physically, and eternally. Sin is real, and the consequences are significant. And so... Jesus said, Nicodemus, you want to know who I am? I came from heaven. Listen to this now. I came down from heaven to be lifted up on a cross so that those of you who are dying from sin can look to me and be healed, be saved, be forgiven, not die. That's who Jesus is, and that's why he came. And he says, Nicodemus, you need to under, understand this. Seven years ago, one of our American soldiers died in Afghanistan. His name was Dennis Wackel. He'd only been there a few weeks, but he, he didn't die in the way you probably imagine. There were some Afghan children playing in the road, picking up empty shell casings, which their families then you know, sold to make money. They, they recycled them to make money. And so here's these Afghan kids in the road picking up these empty shell cases, and there's, there's this heavily armored, large American military vehicle coming down the road, and the kids are in the way. And so these soldiers, he's one of them, go and they get the kids out of the road in advance of the approaching vehicle. And they're over on the side standing and everything's cool until at the last minute one little Afghan girl runs back into the road to pick up one more shell casing. And this American soldier, this GI, he runs out there to save her and he does. But he's hit by the truck and dies from his injury. Jesus didn't die for himself. He died for you. Jesus did not die because it sounded like a, something to do to make you famous. He died to save you. Who am I? Who is Jesus? Son of God. Come down from heaven to be lifted on the cross to die in your place, to rescue you, to save you, to heal you. That's who this Jesus we celebrate every Lord's Day is. He's your Savior. He died so you could live. That's who he is and what he did. So look at verse 15. Jesus says this, whoever believes may in him, in Christ, now notice that, whoever believes may in him, in Jesus, have eternal life. You see, in the New Testament, you need to get this. There is no eternal life without Jesus Christ. This same author, John, this disciple, later in his book of 1 John in the New Testament, would say that the one who has the Son of God has life And the one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Life, eternal life, is in Christ. It's not found anywhere else. Only in Christ. And our role in all of that is to believe. 
That's what he said here. Now, belief is more than just an intellectual activity that says, okay, I agree with that. More than an intellectual activity that says, okay, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus was God. I believe Jesus died. It is a belief that shows itself in behavior. It is a belief that is strong enough it results in action, in decisions. Because until you do something with what you say you believe, biblically you don't believe it. You must act on it. Belief, faith always shows itself in a decision, in a response, in behavior, in action. And the action is to commit your life to Christ. And what happens as a result of that is this born-again stuff that he's talking about here. So you have verse 16. Verse 16, that famous verse. We can quote it, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? So how does that happen? What what, what happens? How does it work? Well, back to the first part of the conversation. When he said, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you. And any time Jesus is speaking and his statement begins with truly, truly, or in the older King James, verily, verily, (coughs) excuse me, that's, that's a way of drawing attention placing emphasis on it and saying, hey, you better, you better sit up and listen because this is important. This is, a, this, this, is a, this is an important truth. You must be born again. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice Jesus said it three times. Nicodemus, Nicodemus is asking him, Lord, how? How, how, can, how can this be? How, how does this happen? I can, I, I'm an old man. Literally, physically, can't go back to my mother's womb and be born again. I don't, I don't get it. And, and, and Jesus is talking about a spiritual thing where Nicodemus is focused on a physical thing. And so to help him, Jesus draws this parallelism. He said, I think it's in verse 5, he said, Nicodemus, you have to be born of water and of spirit. And then in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You notice the parallelism? The water there has nothing to do with baptism. It's the breaking of water. It's it's, 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 It's that part of physical birth. You have the parallelism with the next verse, that which is born of water, in verse 5, is, is the equivalent of what is born of flesh in verse 6. That which is born of spirit in verse 5 is the equivalent of what is born of spirit in verse 6. He, sa- he said, he's saying, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter heaven, you have to have two births. You have to have a physical birth and a spiritual birth. In other words, you have to be a, a person. You have okay. All right, that, and, and, and Nicodemus, you get that. The problem is you're stuck there and you can't see beyond that. In addition to being a human being, Nicodemus, you have to have a spiritual birth. That's what this born again is. It's a a second birth. It's from above. And Nicodemus, you have to have that. It's this spiritual birth. It's not another physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. And, and, And here's the thing. It's just as real as the first birth. It's a work of God. It's from above. 
where God comes into our life and it's, it is as though we become somebody different, someone new. Yeah, we still have the same flesh. We look the same, have the same experiences, but we become somebody new because for the first time, those of us who were spiritually dead are made spiritually alive. It's from above. We see, we see the results. That's why Jesus said it's, it's sort of like the wind, Nicodemus. You, you, you feel the wind. When it picks things up and blows them, you see it moving them. That's it. You don't see the Holy Spirit. It's not like you're in a delivery room and and you see the, the baby being born. You see the new birth. It happens in a moment. It's just as real. But when it happens, you know it because you see the difference. You see the new life. You see the change in attitude, the change in disposition, the change in values, the change in heart. It's a new person. And just like a little baby has to grow, and we'll make some mistakes along the way. Spiritually, we have to grow. We'll make some mistakes along the way. But it's a new life. It's a second life. It's a spiritual life. And he says, Nicodemus, that's who I am, and that's why I came to make it possible for you to be spiritually alive and be part of God's family and part of God's kingdom and part of God's heaven. And, and, and that's why, listen, listen, that's why entering the kingdom of God is not about how good you are how moral you are, how religious you are, whether you've been baptized or not, it is about your encounter with the living Jesus Christ, your relationship with Him. And it's necessary. Jesus in verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see God's kingdom. Jesus in verse 5, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, has that second birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 7, Jesus, you must be born again. He's emphatic. It's absolutely necessary. So what about Nicodemus? How did he respond? What happened to him? Well, later in the Gospel of John, Some of the religious leaders are trying to have Jesus arrested because they want to get rid of him. And Nicodemus, in a very public way, as a member of that Jewish high court, does what he can to defend Jesus. You jump ahead to the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is crucified. He's hanging on the cross. And there are two members of this Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who very publicly go to Pilate, the Roman governor, and ask for the body of Jesus. Now, they're members of the very body that condemned Jesus. So their behavior is an act of defiance against that body. As they go and ask for the body of Jesus, Pilate gives his body to them. They take Jesus and bury him. And Nicodemus is the one who brings the, the, all the herbs and everything that they would use to, to prepare the body for burial. 
He's presented in John's gospel in a very positive light. What happened to Nicodemus? Nicodemus had this conversation with Jesus, and suddenly at some point, we're not told all of when and how it happened, but at some point it's like the light turned on. And he said, okay, Jesus, I get it. And he was born spiritually. He became a person of faith, a follower of Christ. So you're curious. Maybe you're religious. But have you come to the place where you've done more than simply be curious? You've done more than simply be religious. Have you come to the place that you've humbled your heart and said, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I give my life to you. I want to be born again. I want a spiritual relationship with you, and I'm giving you, giving myself to you right now. If you've never done that, I'm asking you, and I'm giving you the opportunity to do it right now. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation? And I'm inviting you to make your way to the altar. To come, I'll be here at the front. Decision counselors will be here. To come and say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to become his child. Others of you will want to come and kneel here at the altar and pray to join our church or request baptism. Let's sing together. You come right now.